ask you a question. How many of y'all have a movie that you have to watch during this time of the year? All right, almost all hands. All right, that's good. So it might be The Grinch. Uh, it might be Home Alone or Polar Express or Die Hard, right? Is Die Hard even a Christmas movie? We, we don't know. We're not going to debate that this morning. Um, but growing up, the Christmas movie at the Locke household uh, was a Christmas story. Uh, it was always on. We always had to watch it. It was always playing in the background uh, during our Christmas celebration time together. And my favorite part of the Christmas story is when the dad receives a major award, right? And it shows up in this giant wooden crate, okay? And they wheel it into the house and he sees this word uh, printed over this crate. And you guys remember what it said? Fragile, right? It must be Italian, right? It's an amazing gift. And the wife comes over and he says, honey, it says fragile, right? Um, love that part of the movie. It is super fun. But we all love Christmas, right? We love this time of year. We love the feelings of cheer and the feelings of just excitement. And we can't wait to give and to receive gifts. Christmas just brings so much happiness. But we can agree that the happiness of Christmas is very fragile, right? It's very fragile. But happiness is a good thing. God created happiness. So I, I love happiness. I love laughter. I love laughing so hard that you lose your breath and your face starts to hurt, right? Anybody ever been there, right? It's just it's so good, right? Or happiness when the chiefs win, right? Especially a close game and there's, there's just excitement, so much excitement and happiness that you can't sleep. Um, and, and so it's, I, I love happiness, but happiness is very fragile. See, here's the thing. We could all leave this place this morning happy, just excited for the day, happy smiles on our faces as we walk out of this place. And as soon as you pull out on Antioch or 151st, somebody cuts you off and happiness, gone, right? Or your kids start whining about lunch, happiness, gone. Or this never happens in my family. We can't decide what we want to do for lunch, Happiness, right? Gone, right? But here's the thing. That's happiness. Happiness can be gone in an instant. But joy, right? True biblical joy is not like happiness at all. No, biblical joy is not fragile at all. You can hit biblical joy with the most difficult things this world has to offer, and it will not break, so we can find biblical joy all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite places to look is in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41 especially. But the kind of the backstory of that is when the disciples went out to share the gospel with people in, in their cities. And, and then the high priest brought them um, in and they said, hey, you guys can't share the name of Jesus any longer. Not only that, you can't share, but we're going to beat you. Right? And so they beat the disciples. Okay, now look what happens in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. It says, they left rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Now, this is definitely not a happy time for the disciples. They weren't rejoicing because they got beaten and they had to go through that pain and that hurt. But there was something going on within their hearts of the disciples. There was rejoicing, and that's something different from happiness. And it's different from happiness because it's something that's so much deeper, something that transcends physical comfort. 
And that thing that they had was biblical joy. So where do we find this biblical joy? We're all sitting in church this morning. Where do we find this biblical joy? Jesus. Yeah, come on. John said it like he meant it, right, everybody else. Let's try it again. Where do we find this biblical joy? Jesus, that's right. We find it in Jesus, and that's the correct answer. But in times of loss, in times of pain, in the middle of hurt, when life doesn't make sense, when the life that you dreamed of seems to have disappeared, it can be difficult to turn to the answer of Jesus. Why is that? Well, a lot of times it's because we're simply just looking at the pain We're looking at the hurt, just hoping that it will go away. I want that relationship back. I want that job back. I want that security back instead of remembering what we have in Jesus. Now, each Sunday during the Advent season, we focus on a theme. So far, in the past two weeks, we've talked about hope and we've talked about peace. And today, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are talking about Joy, very good. Man, you guys are paying attention today. That's awesome. All right. So we're talking about joy today. Um, So what I want to do today is to look at Jesus and see how was Jesus' joy veiled in flesh? And then how can we live or have joy throughout all of life's circumstances, the good and the the bad. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn to a spot in Scripture that might seem like an odd place for an Advent message. It's the book of Zechariah. Okay? So if you don't know where that is, find the book of Matthew, and you're going to turn back a couple of pages uh, towards the book of Zechariah, and you're going to find chapter 9. So as we read chapter 9 and verse 9, I'd like us to stand uh, to honor the reading of God's word. So if you would, find that place and stand with me. It reads this, rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Y'all may be seated. So Old Testament obscure passage for an Advent service, yes. But Jesus is throughout all of scripture. And this verse that might seem like an Easter passage can help us find joy at Christmas time. See, this was a prophecy about the promised Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, right? To save all of God's people and make all things right. Now we live on the other side of this prophecy. And so we know this Messiah is Jesus. And we read about that all throughout the New Testament. So let's dive into a little bit here in Zechariah and, and here's some history. So what's, what's going on during this time in chapter 9? Well, the Jewish people had been in Babylon in exile. Remember, we studied that a month ago about uh, Daniel and, and the people in exile in Babylon. And so we have a little bit of that history. But now they have been allowed to leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem. Now, with this came really high hopes. There's high expectations. There's happiness. See, the Jewish people were going to rebuild the city. And not only that, more importantly, rebuild the temple where God was going to dwell, right? And where they were going to have the opportunity to then go and worship him. 
But it wasn't long before God's people started facing opposition. Okay, the work of the temple fell apart. The rebuilding of the city wasn't going well. The Jewish people be then, then began to question God and saying, God, have you forgotten about us? Or God, have you even given up on us? See, the people were expecting a spiritual renewal and a strong and mighty nation to be, to, to be rebuilt. But that's not what they were experiencing. I think you can all imagine how devastating a time this was, right? We've all been there. We've had high expectations of what life should look like. It's going to be amazing. Things are going to be awesome. God has got his plan. But then our expectation of God's plan doesn't turn out the way we want it to. And our dreams then begin to be dashed against the rocks. And this is where the prophet Zechariah comes in. And he begins to speak. And he begins to tell the people that God is not done. So verse 9, we see a command at first. Rejoice greatly. Shout aloud with joy. See, Zechariah knows something. He knows something while everybody else is looking at their circumstances and looking at life around them. Zechariah was looking where? He was looking at God. He was focused on eternity. He was focused on the kingdom. So even when all hope seems lost in the midst of disappointment, there's a reason to rejoice. And he commands it. He says, rejoice greatly, shout aloud with great joy. And then he calls to the people. He calls out and he says, daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem. Now what are those? Those are simply just two titles to remind the people who they are and whose they are, right? They're children of God. And this is in and of itself is a great reason for rejoicing. As followers of Christ, we are children of God. But that's not it. He continues on. He says, behold, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Now, this is a second reason for rejoicing, not only because of who you are and whose you are, but now your king is coming. See, one thing that God had promised his people was a king who would sit on the throne of David. So they were looking for a king to rescue them and to destroy their enemies and then to lead them. And when they heard righteous and having salvation is he, that was exactly what they wanted. They, they wanted a king to come in and, and take over and lead them because they have for years dealt with disobedient kings and kings that did not honor the Lord. So God, through the prophet Zechariah, promised that they're going to get a king who will honor the Lord and do what is right. Not only that, but be a king that brings salvation. So this is what they were hoping for. A king who would provide them protection instead of being bullied by all the nations around them. They were expecting a king who is good and strong, willing to fight for them and rule over them. They were expecting, their expectations of the Messiah was just that, this, this mighty king. But let's move on in the text. It says, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And I wonder what they thought when they heard this. 
Because what this says, this king, this Messiah was going to be different. He was going to come with humility. See, most kings would, would, would come riding in on chariots and war horses to conquer the land, to take over. But Jesus came humbly on a young donkey, an image of peace, an image of humility. This didn't fit their expectations. But what we see here is fulfilled in the New Testament. So let's switch gears. Let's jump out of the Old Testament and kind of look to the New Testament, right? This is Palm Sunday, what we're reading about here in, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Their king was coming. And what did they begin to do? They began to lay down palm branches and their cloaks as a, as a confirming of his royalty, saying, you are our king. And they were shouting his praises. And we know the story, but simply a couple days later, when they saw that Jesus was not there to overrun Roman rule, he was not there to set up a physical kingdom, they began to shout crucifixion, right? Crucify him, take care of him, get him away from here. So similar to Zechariah's day, 500 years before Jesus was on earth, the people were focused on their circumstances. They're focused on the situation right in front of them instead of focusing on their God. So how can we find joy through all of life's circumstances? See, just like the people in Zechariah's time, we can get stuck looking at the outcomes around us. We, become, we can become depressed and sad about our current situations. And we can look at the loss of a loved one or the loss of a child or the loss of a job, not only physical loss, but also the loss of a dream. See, I wanted my life, my marriage, my children to turn out differently. I wanted my health to look differently. And we can get so focused on the problems and the pain that we begin to ask, God, are you here? God, are you even with me? God, do you even care. So how do we find joy in the midst of our circumstances? Well, it's through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have a reason for joy. See, we have Jesus, our hope, our salvation, our righteous King. Jesus, even in the suffering grief of losing a loved one, is our joy. Jesus is our joy when life seems out of control. Jesus is our joy when life doesn't turn out like we dreamed it would. Well, how? Well, it's because we know we have a secure future. But not only that, there's a greater purpose for everything that we're experiencing here on earth. There's a greater purpose. What is that greater purpose? It's God's glory. Now, I know that doesn't make sense for many of us, right? You're telling me that I have to go through this pain. I have to go through this difficulty, this heartache for God's glory. And yes, in the midst of pain and grief, you can find joy in knowing that there's a greater purpose, which is his glory. And I know this is difficult to understand, 
Just like it was difficult for the Jewish people in Zechariah's time to hear that there's a king coming and he's riding humbly on a donkey. Right? He's not coming on a war horse to destroy all of our problems. Why doesn't God just fix my problems? Why didn't God just give me this back? Well, here's the deal. Isaiah chapter 55 says, His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. See, here's the thing. God sees the whole picture. God sees the whole plan. And he knows what is best. We can only see what is right in front of us. And many times, what's right in front of us doesn't make sense. It causes us to question. But God asks us to trust. Trust in him. Not only trust in him, but trust in what he's going to reveal to us. Right? When we get to heaven and we stand in glory, I think many of us are going to be blown away. Not just, oh my gosh, this is heaven. We're going to be blown away and go, I didn't know. I couldn't imagine it would be like this. God, you are so much bigger. God, you are so much greater. You are so much more than anything my, my, new, my tiny little mind could ever think of. And we're just going to be blown away. And so we must trust in God and trust in his greater plan and his greater ways. So let me give you an example of how I do this. Okay, um, how, how I trust God through what I wrestle with daily. Many of you know, um, many of you might not know, but I struggle with back pain, severe back pain on a daily basis. Um, I, I walk around with uh, pain shooting down my legs all the way down to my toes. It's, it's awful. It's, I hate it, right? I've had back surgery. I've, I've gone back to my surgeon and asked, hey, can there, is there anything else I can do? And he said, basically, you know, you're just going to have to live with it. Okay, and so, you know, I've taken all the prescriptions and all those things to try to make it help. Uh, none, of, none of those things seem to help. There's uh, many mornings that I wake up and I just say, Lord, please, when my feet hit the floor, just don't let there be pain, right? And then I ask myself, you know, I'm 44 years old. I'm, I'm not, you know, that old yet. I, I mean, what am I going to look like when I'm Derek's age, you know? <laughs> Is that, is, am, do I have a chance, right? Do I have a chance? Will I be able to put my socks on? Uh, will I be able to hold a grandchild? You know, what's, what's the plan? And the pain can take my breath away. I mean, there's been times where I've just gone, like, oh, you know, and you kind of do one of those numbers. But in all of that, I can be at a decision of mine. I can allow it to take my joy away. Right? It's a choice. It's a decision. So what do I do? What do I do instead of allowing it to take my joy away? I do something that sounds really churchy. Okay? I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I know that his plans are greater than my plans. I know why, what, the reason I'm dealing with this is for a purpose, and it's a greater purpose than mine. I read Romans chapter 8. Which says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with, listen, the glory that will be revealed to us. 
When I get to be in heaven, the glory that's going to be revealed is going to be so much better than any of this. So let me share this to help people find glory, right? But not only that, Paul continues on and he says, we know that for those who love God, all things, repeat that with me, all things. Let's try it one more time. All things work together for good whether it's back pain, whether it's something or else, right? So I could sit around and I could pout about my pain. I could complain about it with everybody that I speak to. I could even tell myself, Lord, I trust in your sovereignty completely, but then walk around with doubt in my heart instead of joy. And I understand and I know everyone in this room has some form of pain or some form of grief in their life. Okay, I've walked with fellow staff members as I've here at Blue Valley, as I've watched them wrestle with their flesh to find joy each and every day. See, your pain might be like mine. It might be physical pain. All right. It might be uh, the loss of a loved one like the Pragles. It might be health issues like Pastor John and Pastor David. It might be mental health issues that Pastor Micah has shared with us. It might even be a concern about your child's future, like the Wiggins. But here's what I've observed from all of them, is they don't let their circumstances, they don't let their situations define who they are. See, when I see them, I see joy. And it's the joy of the Lord in them, in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their pain. So, we must know that God is bigger through all of this, right? But here's the thing is I don't want this message to come across as just trust Jesus more in your sorrow and your pain because sorrow and pain are real. Sadness is real. But it's more than that. It's more than just trust. In order to know the joy that is found in Jesus, we must know what we have in Christ. O oh, daughter of Zion, O oh, daughter of Jerusalem, as a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God. We must not forget that. And we must trust in God's bigger plan for his creation and know that trusting Jesus is more than just being freed from earthly pain or even going to heaven when you die. No, knowing God and having a relationship with him doesn't change negative outcomes into positive ones here on earth. A relationship with God doesn't take away our pain and our sickness and our loss, and it doesn't restore our dreams. What knowing God does and trusting in Jesus does is it allows us to live in this world differently. We can live a life of joy in the midst of darkness, because we know whose we are. Our lives belong to him. So knowing Jesus allows us to look at life differently. We look now through a lens of hope, knowing that God has a purpose that is greater. He's got a plan that is greater for my life. And then when the worst things of this life come, we can say, you know what? I know God is not surprised by this. I know God knows exactly what's going on, and so I trust him. 
I trust him through it all. And I have joy knowing what I'm going, what's going to be revealed to me. So you can rejoice because you know the creator of this life. You know that you have a future in glory with your savior, your righteous king. So what's so great about this joy is that it lasts forever because it's rooted in Jesus. It's joy that lasts because it goes beyond our circumstances. So no matter what happens at your job, no matter what happens with your family, no matter of your health situation, even death, nothing can take away what you have in Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who is veiled in flesh, who is joy. And he's our reason for joy. So what should we do with this message? What should we do with this hope and joy that we have? Well, share it. It's our second point for today. Through Jesus, we have a message of joy. So let us look back and think about Christmas as a child. Okay, we've got some children in here. How many of you are excited about Christmas? Any hands out there? I see some hands, right? Super excited about Christmas, right? Excited about Christmas because why? Well, we're looking at all the gifts under the tree, right? And, and we have these grand expectations of what's inside. And then we begin opening them, right? And there's that excitement. There's that, that, that happiness that we are filled with. And then it's all done, right? And then it's all done. And what do we do? We long for next Christmas, right? Especially as a child, we say, man, I can't wait until next Christmas, right? It's such a great time. And we can all agree that we're surrounded by people today who are looking for true and lasting joy. See, there are people around us who are searching for that next hit of happiness in their relationships, in their jobs, in their stuff, and they continually come up short. And after years and years of putting yourself through that search for happiness, for that something that lasts, that joy and desire for it grows deeper and deeper. Now, I know Pastor Derek said this last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. Christmas is a great time to share the message of joy with the people around us, right? Because it's the one time of the year that people will kind of go, yeah, you're talking about Jesus. It's Christmas time. You're supposed to do that, right? But let us take this opportunity and talk with those who God has placed around us who are searching. See, the thing is, is many of those people don't even know what they're searching for. They just know that there has to be something out there that will last. And we have that message. And it's the message similar to Zacharias. Rejoice. Your king is coming. But this time, we know that Jesus is coming back differently. See, Jesus isn't coming riding on a donkey this time. No, he is riding victoriously, riding on a white horse. And he's coming to save his people and to rescue them from all eternity. And he will come and establish his kingdom forever and ever, a kingdom that will never end. And similar to Zechariah, we get to share with those around us who are focused on their circumstances, focused on their situation. And we get to say, I know your pain. I know your hurts. I know your doubts. 
I know the discouragement that you are feeling. But there's a king who has come, and his name is Jesus. And we get to share that joy of Christ in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their uncertainty. And when we do that, even in, the, in, in our own pain, in our own discomfort, in our own loss, when we share the great joy of Christ, that message comes across even greater because they go, holy cow, you have joy in the midst of what you're going through. How? And we get to say Jesus. We get to say Jesus. So how do we find joy in Jesus? First step is this. It's repent of your sin. Repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Right? If this book is right, and I believe all of it is, at any minute we could leave this earth and stand before God. And if we reject Jesus as the Son of God here on earth, then we will have to pay for every crime that we have committed against God, every sin that we have committed against God here on earth. And that payment is a life sentence away from his presence, which is not heaven. So our message is this. Because of Jesus, that sin, that life sentence, all those things that we've done against God can be washed away. The Bible says that you've sinned against God and that we deserve punishment for that sin. But the Bible also says that God did something amazing. He did something miraculous. He loved us so much that then rather than punishing us for our sin, he sent his son, his one and only son, to die for us. And he punished him on the cross for the sins that we committed. And if you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and look to him as your Lord and Savior, then you too will be saved through his life, saved from God's wrath, and your name will be written in heaven. Now, this is the greatest message that any of us can share, right? Should hear a lot of amens. Yeah. Should be the, it is the greatest message, right? And at Christmas time, a season when, when we get to focus on joy, man, let us help those people around us. Find the reason for joy, which is Jesus, who was joy veiled in flesh. So as we leave this place this morning, okay, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice, not just leave out of here happy, but let us rejoice so that when the person cuts us off, we go joy, right? <laughs> and we can sing God's praises. When our family can't decide where we want to eat, we rejoice because we have so many options. Right? We have so many options. So he's the reason for our joy. He's our message for our joy. So let us leave this place and go share that with the people around us. Let's pray.